No, so, I mean, we just, we just really appreciate the time, even just to come and connect with the body of believers. I think there's nothing more precious than when the body gets together. Um, that's really what it's all about, is us coming together in community and being able to touch each other's hearts in some way, shape, or form, and sharing that which God has birthed in each, in each and every one of us. Um, I'm so encouraged by meeting uh, couples like Aaron and Anna and connecting with, you know, Steve. And there's so many different faces and names that I've been able to kind of reconnect with and hearing about Kent. And I've heard all about him. I've said most of it's good stuff, though. So, you know, it's, it's, but what an encouraging thing it is and how hospitable it's been just to stay with Trevor and Viv. And we're trying to find a gift for them, but they're just trying to re- reject everything that we'd like to give them. Um, but there's, we're just so blessed to even be able to come and share in any shape of the form of what that is and just share a little bit of what's on our heart. And we've been so blessed um, from Andre Muller's cooking to the, the 600 sausage sizzles that we've been a part of. Um, but we're just so blessed. I mean, and I still to date, out of all the meetings that we've gone to, um, Angie and I have been so blessed by our time with the pillars that we had on, I think it was Monday morning. Um, just what a wonderful and spirit-filled time that we had. And we just appreciate all of the hospitality that we've received across the board. And we're just, we're loving connecting with everybody. Um, my wife had, had a couple of firsts as well when uh, we went to Jaden Andy's to meet with the young adults. Um, she got to, you know, see a sheep firsthand. And then um, after we had a sheep firsthand, she realized that we'd just eaten one of their sheeps firsthand. Um, so that was also the full circle of the New Zealand experience as well. So, I mean, we really appreciated that and, and all of its, you know, <laughs> all of its glory. She's still getting over that. So, you know, we might need to see Grant Conway for some counseling afterwards. So, um, but this morning, uh, there's a couple things that I would love to share with you. And, and there's nothing, there's nothing earth shattering um, but at the same time, I would say it's very earth-shattering. We're just going to be talking about the Word of God. But before we do that, I'd love to share with you a little bit about Tucson and where I come from. So has anybody ever been through Tucson, Arizona? Okay, uh, Bruce, he stayed at my house. Murray, he, I've seen him in Tucson. Hudson and Joan have gone through there. So, Joel, if you could rock some Tucson, Arizona. So, so what you can't see, oh, we're right behind that cactus. You can't see it? So, um, here, I'm just going to steal this. So, um, this, this is the true Arizona of what you're going to see. When you go to Tucson, Arizona, this is exactly what it looks like. And I think, Kent, do you guys just come back from Yuma? Is that correct? So, I mean, that's very, very similar to this. So, you see the classic saguaro cactuses with their arms kind of poking out. Um, that is native only to the Sonoran Desert. And so, Angie and I love it. I've had a chance to share with some of you about my scorpion story. I'm not going to share it this morning just because I don't want you to, you know, think of Arizona in that light, but I'm not a fan of scorpions. Um, We've got rattlesnakes and coyotes and javelinas, so we're happy to come to New Zealand just to get rid of the wildlife, I think, so. But in general, this is just a picture of where we are. It's some of the mountains behind the scenes. Um, Tucson is surrounded by mountains, so it's it's got such a beauty, uh, like the desert beauty. So we, we love it, but we also love the, the beauty that New Zealand brings as well. So hopefully we'll bring a little bit of the Wild West to you this morning. We were joking in the staff meeting that I should come with my cowboy hat and cowboy boots and uh, maybe even a couple of six shooters, you know, and do some demonstrations. But uh, that would be a time for another, another time, I think. So this morning, what I would love to talk with you about is, is what I would call foundations. What is the foundation of your lives? As we move into this new season, amidst all of the New Year's resolutions and the New Year's goals that you've established for yourself, that you've set for yourself, even in this season, what is this church doing in this season? Where is this church going in this season? Where is your family going in this season? We want to kind of explore some of those topics. 
we want to ask ourselves, what are we basing the foundation of our lives on? What are we basing the decisions that we make on? Decisions come along that are very, very important for your everyday life. They can range from getting engaged. They can be funerals like we're going to have one on Tuesday. You can experience decisions that you have to navigate. Kids are going to be leaving the home. That might be a good thing for some. And then kids are going to be born like in my family. We're going to have another one born. When you go through life, you have new employment opportunities. You lose employment opportunities. You have to buy a new house. You have so many different things that are going to come up. What is the thing that is influencing your decisions? And that's kind of what I want to get a little bit into this morning. What is the foundation of our lives? So often the foundation can be based on what your friends and family have said, what your friends and family have influenced you to do. A lot of times it can even be um, your coworkers or for at school today, there's a huge influence of, of that peer group of what they're pressuring you and your kids to be able to conform to a, to a certain degree. You can even be influenced by what you were taught growing up and the culture that you were established in in your own home and your own family. New Zealand has a very strong culture that we absolutely love, and I, I grew up here, and I love so many New Zealand things. And I love to share that with a, a lot of folks back home. But oftentimes, we need to evaluate and identify what are the things that are influencing the decisions that we make. Sometimes the, the decisions that you make can even be through your own experience of what you've personally experienced. So because you've gone through a situation like this in the past, you, you feel that you have a good grasp to kind of navigate whatever that might be. So if you can, for a moment, briefly think on the things and the reasons of why you do what you do. Think about the things that drive you and the things that motivate you. Sometimes it might just be from a desire to get something or go somewhere like a holiday. Um, so I was joking with everybody that I was going to go on a Kiwi holiday. I don't think that happened with all those barbecues mixed in there. But what, are the, what drives you to make sure that you can go where you want to go? What motivates you to get up in the morning? and go to work? What drives your entertainment choices? What about in times of trouble? What are the things that help you to navigate through difficult situations or maybe even more difficult people? It is so very, very easy to become complacent with where you are in life, or maybe complacent's not the best word, but maybe content. How easy is it to get stuck in that day-to-day routine where you're very comfortable with it, you're happy, you know, you had uh, a cup of tea in the morning, a cup of tea at morning tea, a cup of tea in between morning tea and lunch, and you feel good in that pattern and where you're going. But what I want to do is try to explore what is influencing our lives in that regard. From what kind of clothes you buy to where kind of, what kind of a place that you live, or even exploring the moral choices that you make, something is influencing that, regardless if you want it to be or not. And it could just be the routine of what's influencing that. Sometimes without any outside influences at all, we ourselves can be a foundation unto ourselves. And we can deem ourselves to be in the right solely based on what we've done in the past or what we currently think we're doing is right. But the key question here is, and Bruce Billington, I I love listening to the messages that come through. Um, So I'm always on the CFUH website, even in the States, and I have a chance to listen to the most of the messages. And I love a lot of the teaching that comes out of this house. And he says, the key question here is really, what are you doing in your life right now that you couldn't do without the Holy Spirit? And that's, that's a tough question. That's a question that I have to ask myself as well. And, and then behind that question is, what is your motivator to be listening to the Holy Spirit? And what's the modality and how you can hear the Holy Spirit? So this morning, I would love to share with you a reminder of what our foundation is. How many times did you wish you had God right there with you? 
to maybe celebrate in a time of joy, maybe to, to cry alongside you in a time of grief, maybe just to watch the rugby game, right? Or maybe American football. Okay, I'll get, I'll get some believers in the end. I know I've got a long way to go with that, so we'll start it now, right? So start feeding it there. But if we could go to the Word, because I want to, Hebrews 4, verse 12. So feel free to turn there. I have it also up on the screen as well. But Hebrews 4, verse 12, I love this verse. It states, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's some powerful statement. Very, very powerful statement. He gave us his word. He gave us his word to comfort us in times of trouble. A detailed roadmap that contains the very life, the very life of God itself. I want to jump through to John 1, 1 through 5, and I'm sure many of you are very, very familiar with it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And I love this line right here. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word of God needs to be our foundation. I love when it says in verse 3, like I already iterated, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Every single thing that you come into contact with in your life, be it big or be it small, we need to to consult the creator, for he is the one that created that thing that you're coming into contact with. When you're looking to engage with your spouse, when you have a relationship at work, when you're dealing with your kids, consult the word for he's the creator and he has created those things to give us that roadmap to navigate any challenges that we might face. Now, the heart of my message this morning, as you've probably already kind of gotten in your spirits, is a simple but very, very profound statement. We must know the word of God. Amen. Absolutely, Ben. We must know the word of God. And I love Bruce brought, Bruce Billington brought such, such a beautiful point to me this week. He said, He was talking to me about what the concept of the Hebrew concept of knowing is in comparison to the Greek thought, that oftentimes we carry around that Greek concept of thought. So in in the Greek tradition of thought, knowing is simply an exercise in arguing and, and being able to articulate well your position. But the Hebrew concept of knowing is the ability to demonstrate it in your life. And I love that picture of what the word is because you can know the word of God, but then you can know the word of God. And so the thing that I would love to sow into our spirits in this season is to reevaluate, is the foundation of of our lives and what we're walking out knowing the Word of God, not knowing the Word of God to be able to articulate what you think it is, but is it demonstrated in your life so that the kingdom can be transparent in wherever you are in your workplace and in your family? Now, just just to kind of give a quick contextualization of our English use use of the word, the word know literally means to have information of some kind in your mind. It means to understand something, to have a clear and complete idea of something. And I like this the best, to have learned something as a skill or a language. Now, I I speak a little bit of Spanish, and I have to to know what the in-laws are saying about me, okay? But if I haven't learned Spanish, it's one thing to know it, but it's a whole other thing to demonstrate that in my life. 
And you can see I, I'll sweat it out when I have to talk with them and really put my knowledge to the test of speaking a language. But I love that picture of knowing something. To know a language, you have to know the in-depth intricacies of it. You have to understand the culture behind that language. You have to understand so many different things to be able to articulate that. So one of my, I just love to bring out some of those points about what knowing the word is. So step one in having a solid foundation is to know the word of God. I would love to share just two fundamental points with you this morning. It's not going to be long. It's going to be short and sweet. But the first being this, we must know his word as his word is the very thing that is driving or should be driving our decisions in life. And secondly, to know his word is the very thing that will help you to navigate the issue of sin and other obstacles that you're going to come across in your life. Now, both of these points are very, very interrelated. And I want to discuss them both now as one theme, as the choices that we make in life and the direction that we take in our, in our life has a huge part to do with how we navigate those obstacles and things that come across us. Like I've said before, the Word of God needs to be at the basis of who we are. What makes us tick and why we make the different decisions in life that we make. From how we raise our kids to how we plan for the future, to how we, how we are in our day-to-day coming and going. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which you're all very, very familiar with. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. We cannot rely solely on our own understanding. We can't rely on someone else's opinion or what pop culture says is right or wrong. We need to trust in the Lord, and he will make straight your path. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about our lives and the paths that we lead in life. We need the foundation of his word so that we can successfully navigate as he gives us such clear directives that we're going to place us on that right path that we need to be walking. Now, I'm sure that if I kind of have some folks come up and share about some of the paths that you've gone on, they would be some marvelous stories. And New Zealand in and of itself is known for some of the most beautiful tramping and walks that you could possibly go on in the world. Um, And I would love to go on some more of those as well. I thought that I always have, though. I always like to take myself 150 years back. Because any time I take a trip of any kind of long distance, I always think, what would this be like, say, around the 1850s? You know, you'd have to get your horse out. You'd have to kind of prepare food. Um, And it it always stresses me out thinking about it. Because I think, because Angie and I will do the drive to L.A. all the time from Tucson. So Tucson is about eight hours away from L.A., so it's, it's not too bad. But I imagine how long would that take you if you, were, if you were making that trip 150 years ago. So one very, very famous path is a path called the Oregon Trail. So this stretched 3,200 kilometers in distance, 3,200. And the path went from Missouri to Oregon, stretching across a large portion of the United States. It took just under about 160 days around the 1850s to traverse from from this entire, it's it's stretching across a large span of the states. I really enjoyed hearing from um, our brother talking about his journey through Australia and the different things. And it was was very interesting to see, you know, all of the different places that he'd seen and all of the water holes and navigating crocodiles and all, all sorts of things. But that's, that's something I always think about, even taking a trip like that across. What would that entail if you didn't have a vehicle and it was back, back in that time? Settlers set out on this arduous journey to make a way for themselves. 
to seek out a fresh start where they could claim some land for themselves in the West and create a life in the midst of the resources and the wild scenery that the, the West had to offer. Very, very similar to how the New Zealand pioneers settled here. People who left their home countries after many, many generations and embarked on a long six-month journey, often in squalid conditions, to a place unknown. They were prepared to do the hard yards to build something better for their lives. Now, hopefully we'll have a picture of, of a path that the settlers had to take, either to, in the Oregon Trail or in New Zealand. Not unlike our, own, our very own path in life, how many obstacles that we come across, how many hurdles that you might have that not, might not be as obvious as them. Some of the obstacles the settlers on the Oregon Trail had to navigate were shootings, freezing, Native American attacks, uh, just to name a few. Now, my experience in New Zealand is that freezing is also an issue here. But it's estimated that up to 16,000 people died in the heyday of the Oregon Trail. Well, our obstacles are not as obvious as some of theirs. We have very, very real struggles and challenges that we need to overcome to continue over into the land that God has for us. Two major obstacles that we have before us are maintaining purity and righteousness. They have lost their value, and often they've lost their identity. Many people don't even have anything to base off of what these things are anymore. So often the lives of so many people, be they old or be they young, the often overwhelming bombardment of influences in their lives in society takes us down a different path. Students and parents, we need to get in the word to navigate these challenges. We talked about earlier that the word of God gets to the very joints and of marrow, and it discerns the very thoughts and intentions of our heart. The word goes to the very core of the issue and is able to walk you out like in John chapter 1 that we already read. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what does the word say about maintaining purity in a lifestyle of righteousness? How can we practically do this? The lights come on. The light shines in the darkness. Let's read Psalm 119, not the whole thing, starting in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And if I may, before we explore that passage a little bit more, I want to jump ahead to verse 105 that we already sung. I love the way the song that we sung today. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. How clearly God speaks to us. How amazing it is that he gives us the answer to some of life's most difficult challenges. What is his answer to maintaining purity? By guarding your way, your decisions, your choices, according to the word of God. Guarding speaks more than using the Bible as a nice guidebook. But by physically putting it into practice in all aspects of life, so the Hebrew concept of knowing it. To conquer and establish his kingdom, we need to be armed as we possess the land. For the settlers on the Oregon Trail, it was imperative that they had weapons that could protect them should the need arise from outlaws to snakes and things like that. I think I need weapons from snakes as well. We need to be equipped by his word so that we can successfully move down the path that he has laid out for us. Knowing his word that can give us peace. I think one of my favorite verses right here is Deuteronomy 31 verse 3. I love this verse. It says, the Lord your God himself 
will go over before you. How reassuring is it to know that he's already gone before us and made a way? And what is it that we need to do? We need to simply align ourselves to walk in the way that he's already gone before us. Unfortunately, so often we fall short, not for lack of want or even for desire or even for lack of passion, but is for moving forward without having knowledge of the word, which is so ironic as this is the very, very thing that will help you to navigate the issues that will come across in life. Now, why is it important? Let's jump back to verse 105 where it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why is this so important? Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 7, verse 13, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Since narrow is the path to righteousness, and wide is the path to destruction, We need a light to help us find our way, especially on the narrow path. If you could, for just a brief moment, take a look at this high mountain pass, path in Spain, rather. I don't think I'll be going on that path anytime soon. I love this picture, as I think we can all agree that this is definitely a narrow path so reminiscent of the narrow path that we must choose as we walk in our life. And it illustrates so well the need for why we need to have a light. If you don't have a light when it goes dark on this path, I don't think it's going to be very successful. Not always is it going to be broad daylight. It becomes not a matter of simply a nice thing, but it becomes a matter of life and death to have a lamp that lights your way and a light unto your path. Many choose the road to destruction as it is easy, but we need to store up the word and know the word so we can navigate this narrow road. The other reason I chose to show you this path is for its namesake. The name of this path is the King's Path. I thought, what a fitting name for a path that is so narrow and so high and so dangerous. How fitting that this path, so narrow and not at all easy to navigate, is named the King's Path. The King's Path may be narrow, but he has given us his word so that we can go down this path that leads to everlasting life. So just in a brief review, we must know his word as his word is the very thing that drives or should be driving all of the decisions in the direction that we take in life. And the second word was to know his word is the very thing that will help us to navigate the issue of sin in our lives. Now, we must find this path that he has already gone before us and made a way for. The importance of knowing his word is highlighted in the fact that it is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path, which is crucial to stay successfully on the narrow path. As we store up his word in our hearts that we might not sin against God, we can move forward in victory to possess the land that God has for us in his kingdom. Can I encourage us this morning to take the king's path? I would like to take the very last few minutes of my time here to really lay out some of the foundational things that Angie and I have really had laid on our hearts, specifically for CFUH, but also the wider body of Christ as well. Now, the message this morning has such purpose and reevaluating some of the core of our foundations and all of the decisions that we make. 
as we look to the future, both for Angie and my lives and CFUH, and the possibilities that await us, at the foundation of anything that I would love to do and partner with those already here is going to be the Word of God. The Word will be the very thing that drives the decisions and directions of this body of believers. The Word will be our tool to navigate the ins and outs of ministry and all that that encompasses. We will bring the Word as the basis for our families, and the families will impact the community by being the Word. The largest mandate that I feel personally on my heart is to call those around me up and into the journey that God has already made a way before them and help in any way that I can to further their journey in expanding the kingdom of God. Calling each family member into the fullness of what God has for them right now. The most obvious and important place to start with, and I've said this many times already this week, is your family. Are the fathers acting as the pastor of their home? Is each member functioning in the gifts that they have been given with their family first? We must go to the word to guide us through this process. Once we have a mandate for strong families, we must bring that light to the world through community outreaches and connecting with other believers and other communities seeking boldly after God's kingdom, where we can utilize this amazing property and the facilities serving the families and youth in this community. The path may be narrow. But oh, how exciting. CFUH, thank you so much for opening your hearts to my wife and I and my little boy, Archer. We have appreciated so much all of our time with you. We have been so blessed in our time here. We love you very much. And we await with expectations the things that God has set in motion for CFUH to achieve as a body of believers in this season. God bless you guys.